you may remember the storyline a couple of years ago, his name, Joshua Bell. He played violin, and he decided he would be a part of an experiment. And so he went to the D.C. Metro, which is like our Marta in Atlanta, and he took his violin case and violin and got off at a particular stop, walked down the corridor, stood on a landing, opened up his violin case, threw a couple of dollars to start the process, and began to play. Now, he was kind of a nondescript guy. He was in jeans, untucked shirt, baseball cap, but he was playing incredible music. He was playing Bach and Schubert and all these uh, tremendous pieces, and it was obvious he was gifted. People were walking by. They were on their way to wherever it was they were going, and really only a few dropped in dollars and stopped to listen to him. If we're not careful, we'll miss it. And you know, we're talking about traveling down roads, and we're looking at a series right now as we wrap it up, Road to Redemption. And we've been looking at biblical roads, abstracting roads like out of a map, and examining how God showed up on those roads. And in powerful ways, Haynes helped us to see the road to Damascus. Not only was it a a radical conversion for Paul. He became one that was able to do great things with his redemption. He moved from a church persecutor to a church planter. He got a lot out of his redemption. And then last week, Fran talked about the road to Jericho and compassion and how God shows up in the midst of compassion. And how we can all do something. And I've talked about the Red Sea Road. And how God took a group of people and divided the sea. And they walked through that pathway. As the sea was parted, they left slavery. Something they had known for centuries into eventual freedom. And so you're on a road and I'm on a road. And one of the things that I think God has called us to do is look at where he is showing up. And today I want to talk about the Emmaus Road. And so if you have your Bible, or maybe on your phone you have a Bible app, or in your bulletin you have the scripture. But as I get ready to read the scripture that is posted in your bulletin, I want to ask you this question. Because I think... These questions or these statements relate to those men on this road to Emmaus. You know, I would wager that they had a feeling. We're going to talk about that story. And the feeling is kind of like the feeling that maybe you've had when an employer says, we went with a different candidate. I'm sorry, we moved in a different direction. Or maybe it was that feeling 
that you had when, as a parent, the physician said, your child will not be able to cognizantly reason like other child children. Your child will not behave like other children. Or maybe it was that feeling that you had when you had invested in a relationship and you had poured your life into it with great emotion and intimacy and commitment. And the relationship came undone. Or maybe it was that feeling that you had when you set somebody up for success. And in their brokenness, they would not step toward the solution. They would not accept the treatment. You had teed it up for them. But they walked away. Or maybe it was that feeling when the bank said, we're calling in the note. We're calling in the loan. And you know you don't have the resources to cover. And they're not renegotiating that loan. Or when the doctor calls the family into the consultation room and says, we've done all we can do. There's nothing more we can do. Let's take a look at this story. And I invite you to follow along. Now that same day, two of them, two men, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along with them. But they, they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces cast down. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. All right, we're going to skip down to verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that has all that the prophets have spoken did not the messiah have to suffer these things then enter his glory and beginning with moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself and as they approached the village to which they were going jesus continued on as they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them, but he was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Let's pray together. God, we, we are like those two men. We are asking you to stay with us. As you journey, stay close to us and help us not to miss you. Open the eyes 
of our hearts. And let us see more of you and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Be with us now as we look at your scriptures. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're on the road to Emmaus, and these two men are talking among themselves. And they have had, this is an understatement, a bad week. I mean, they are really bummed. And one of the things that has made them, as the scripture says, downcast, is they have heard the story, but can't quite get their head around it. That the body of Jesus, after the Roman crucifixion, was taken to the tomb. And the women were telling the story to all of the believers, and these are followers of Christ. Because we know that if you go back to verse 10 in this, in this chapter. And they have disclosed, his body isn't there. And they're thinking, foul play. This is not the way it was supposed to play out. And so they're talking among themselves, and I can only imagine they're, they're discussing the triumphant entry into Jerusalem when Jesus was applauded, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and they must have thought, you know, even one of, uh, among us sold Jesus out, Judas, and then commits suicide. And then Peter, Peter, one of the most vocal advocates for Jesus, denies him. And so in their confusion, in their frustration, in their disappointment, they're talking among each other. And then Jesus walks up. But it says in the scriptures that their eyes were restrained from recognizing him. And he walks up. You know, I think about this scene and how significant just this scene is for us as followers of Christ. I meet with a group of guys on Wednesday morning. It's a, it's a small group, and we simply talk about what's going on in our lives. And we share together. And at the end of our time, we pray together. And we pray for one another. And you see, for me, that is, in many ways, like that road. These guys were doing what was healthy. They were sharing their emotions. They were doing life together, even in the frustration of all that they thought should have happened. They had each other as a depository of their emotions. You see... Depression is a real thing, and there's a lot of reasons for, for clinical depression and, and emotional depression. Uh, some of it can be chemical. Some of it can be that we don't express ourselves in the midst of life in safe places. And so we've got to commend these folks that they weren't letting their emotions get pressed down, but they were saying, look. Don't you know what has happened? Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that is unaware? And Jesus is the great counselor. And he comes up and says, 
beginning of the conversation, what are you discussing? You, for, for me, that is a great example of how to be a friend to somebody. Not always have the answers, but ask a few questions. And so Jesus, the great clinician and counselor, comes up and says, what are y'all discussing? And they're like, man, you are uninformed. And we're disappointed. Because the one, this one named Jesus, prophet in word and deed, well, we had hoped, we had hoped that he'd be the Messiah that would save Israel. Have you ever said that? I had hoped. I sure wished it had worked out. All of us have said that. And all of us have lived with, with disappointments. The wonderful thing is that Christ is in the midst of our disappointments and our conversations related to that. And so he begins to talk to them. Now, one of the questions I had was, why, why wasn't Jesus recognizable? Why was it that their eyes were restrained from seeing him? Maybe he looked different after a crucifixion and death because this is a post-resurrection narrative. Maybe he didn't want them to be guarded in their conversation. You know how somebody will enter a conversation you're having with someone and you'll think, oh, maybe I ought to couch my language a little differently. Maybe I ought to be careful. Maybe he, he didn't want to make them feel like they had to be guarded. They could be open. Another is, maybe... He knew he was leaving. The scripture says he left 40 days. He ascended after that. It could be that he wanted them to be present with him, but not have to see him. That eventually they would be it would be revealed who he was, but maybe in those moments they had to go on faith and not by sight. We don't know why. But they begin to just kind of unload on, on Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus. And then later in the conversation, as they're walking along, he says, Oh, you are so slow to believe. He said, You foolish ones. And I don't believe that he was like slamming them, saying, You fools. I don't believe that. I believe he was saying, come on, guys. Let's look at the scripture. And if you look at your text here, it says that he began with Moses. And Jesus did one of the most memorable Bible studies ever. He started with Moses. And he walked through the Torah, the Old Testament. And Moses' words and and then the chronicle of God's salvation through the law. And he talked about the prophets. And I, I wonder if he quoted the Psalms about who he was and who he would become. And so he's delving into this Bible study with these believers. They don't recognize him. And they continue on. And they enter into a practice that he had called them to enter into. 
and he's still not recognized. And they break bread together, and the scripture says that they entered into communion, and at that moment, he was revealed. In that moment, they saw Jesus. What's interesting to me is this. Everything Jesus had said in the litany of history, in the reiterating of the scriptures, they already knew. But after hearing it again and entering into communion, it washed over them. Sometimes God can use something that is familiar and renew us. Sometimes, well, one person said it well, if you feel far from God, take steps back to where you first found him and learn again. John Wesley, who is the father of the Methodist movement, was a theologian. He knew everything about the Old Testament and New Testament. He was a scholar. And he had served missionally, giving of himself in compassion to the needy. And he learned other sciences and fields of study. And as he would do this, he was trying to earn his way to God, learn his way to God. And it wasn't until an unsuspecting moment at a little unassuming chapel, hearing the reading of a commentary, which can be rather boring, on Romans. And he said, it was like my heart was strangely warmed and I knew that Christ had died for me, even me. Now that was a truth that he knew well, but was renewed in and it would move into a revival. It's interesting as they were finding out who Jesus was and as he was disclosed and as he was revealed he vanished. What a bummer. I mean, they have walked along and they're, they're frustrated with this guy who seems to be clueless, but he's a biblical scholar. And he challenges them to not be slow in belief and they have communion together. It's Jesus. And then he vanishes. And then the scripture says, the men said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Today, I really believe some of us that have been steeped in traditional Orthodox theology that knows general things about the Bible need to be renewed. We need to be refreshed. Our souls need to be revitalized. We need to draw 
close and press into Jesus and to kind of relearn again. Because I really believe that Christ wants to draw close to us. They felt that not knowing who he was, they knew there was something special because they said, stay with us. I don't think they were just being hospitable. Stay with us because the day is closing out. And that's just like Jesus because in the scripture it says that he was willing to move on. He was willing to go farther. But he responds when we invite him into our lives. And so I want to say to you, look for Christ. Look for him in the hearing of his word as the scriptures are open to us. Hear him in the laughter of a child. See him in the face of poverty. Touch him when you draw close to family. Know that he's present when you're in fellowship like this. You see, Joshua Bell played on that platform masterpieces. People missed him. Three nights earlier, he had sold out an arena in Boston. And the tickets were averaging $100 apiece. World-renowned. Talented. Famous. Gifted. But some missed it for free. my prayer that we won't miss it as our worship team comes let's pray together 